Welcome back in listeners to another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by a very special guest today. We have the actor and director John Grismer joining us today. And we are so honored to have him. He has made legendary films such as Scalpel, Blood Rage, and The Perfect Game. And now he's here on our show to talk to us. So with that, let's go ahead and welcome our guest, John Grismer. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Well, thank you, Andrew. I'm uh, very happy to be here with you. You make me feel totally comfortable, you know? <laughs> thank you so much for that. So I'm, I'm honored to have I can, you. Here. I can be myself instead of a phony baloney. Oh, please. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're not selling anything here but Girl Scout cookies. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I wondered if we could start off by having you tell us a bit about yourself. That's a very hard question, but I came up with an answer for it. I am a writer. Now, I, I have done acting, of course. I did acting in graduate school, drama school. But it really, I am a writer. So I'm a writer of what, you say? I've written a couple of novels, and I'm prepared to talk about one of them. And I have written stage plays because I started out wanting to be a Broadway comedy writer. I wanted to be Gene Kerr. I wanted to be Neil Simon. I wanted to be one of those guys. And every now and then, you know, you get a laugh and set up, set up and a laugh, set up, set up. So that's that's when I was in my early 20s. That's what I was doing. That was my goal. Later on, I noticed that the people I I went to graduate school with were making movies and the opportunity to make a movie came along for me <laughs> and I took it. I've wound up directing two films, two feature films, and writing and producing a third feature film. So I've, I've worked on three films in my lifetime, which, which is stretching out into the 90s. I'm, I'm going to be 90. <laughs> I mean, you want to see hear something funny. I'm going to be 90 in August of this year. So that, that's probably the screwiest thing about me. I mean, well, then a happy early birthday to you. Yeah, the most interesting thing. Well, how did you come into the film industry and and all of this? What what brought you into it? It's a hard thing to, it, it, it would take up a lot of time for me to explain. Basically, I would say that I reconnected with a with a fellow member of, of my uh, you know graduate school class. His name was Larry Luckenbill. And he was in the process of making a film with Otto Preminger called Such Good Friends. Now this this is you know back in the 70s. And I hooked up with Larry and his wife Robin Strasser and they hooked up with a young man named Jean Marie Pelissier who was a a production assistant to Otto Preminger. He was also the French teacher of Otto's children. He was a great fan of Otto's. And of course, he wanted to be a filmmaker himself. We formed a company called Golden Gate Films to acquire a French novel, which we never wound up acquiring. But we decided we wanted to make a practice movie for $50,000. 
we were told that it would really cost us about 250000 The financing was available from private financing. So we cobbled up a script, and the script came out eventually. It was called The Bride, and later on it was called The House That Cried Murder. It's, it's been shown all, all over the world, too. It's, it's been pirated. It's been out as a, under another title, actually, which I won't even mention. But I'm getting ready to do a deal now with a, with a very good company. It's going to put it out on the market again as the bride. How did we write the script? John Marie and I wrote the script because we discovered an, a house that was half built near us here in North Salem, New York. I'm in Connecticut, but I'm right at the line with North Salem. This house was weird looking, so-called modern, covered with, with dumb looking shingles. It's a, it's, it's a very grotesque looking house. And so it motivated the story. It's Barbara's house. Barbara's a rich girl. She decides she wants to build a house. She does blah, blah, blah. Barbara gets married to a guy who works for her father, and he's not a very nice guy. Something happens at the wedding reception. The wedding reception, by the way, is probably the best part of the movie, and we copied the Godfather wedding reception, <laughs> really. I must tell you about my philosophy, and that is I, I adhere to the philosophy of, of Thornton Wilder, who, when he taught a course in creative writing in the University of Chicago, said to his students, only steal from the best. And that, that's no kidding. So we did. So we, st we stole the wedding scene from The Godfather. And for the rest of the movie, we followed the, the script of Diabolique, the French classic horror movie. It's a great movie. Anyway, we, we wound up making that film, and we had certain adventures with that film. For instance, the negative got destroyed by a lab in Florida. We wound up suing them and settling for some cash. Anyway, it's, it's, I, could, I could go on and on, and I'm, I'm going to shut up, and you could ask me something now. That is an amazing tale about that film, though. Wow. That's incredible. Robin Strasser played the, plays the bride in it, and what I wrote I wrote the dialogue for it. Jean Marie, Jean Marie you know, conceived the whole thing. He he, he was a very talented guy. But in the, at the at the wedding sequence, Robin Strasser as the bride comes out and confronts the whole crowd, and she's got a big splotch of red blood all over all over her pretty white wedding dress. <laughs> Because something happened, okay? And she stops and looks at the crowd, and they're all transfixed looking at her. And she says, you should see the other guy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. I love that. that was, so that was the first movie I got involved with. The second movie I got involved with, with was Scalpel. Scalpel and was written by myself and by my producing partner, Joe Weintraub. I finally figured out after all these years that Scalpel is our version of a Coen Brothers movie. Remember, steal only from the best is, is the motto. 
So uh, we were fans, fans of the Coen brothers. We knew them. Joe had worked with them. And uh, Scalpel is a little zigzaggy picture where the audience expects one thing and then something else happens. And we follow that pattern all the way through it. And it, it, has a, it has kind of a funny little payoff. It's about a plastic surgeon who <laughs> makes a imitation of his daughter's face because she has run off. She's suffered a shock and she's run off and disappeared. He finds a woman in the streets whose face has been bashed in. And he takes her to the hospital and he gives her the daughter's face. Why? He's motivated to do this because the daughter stands to inherit a bunch of millions of dollars from the grandfather, her grandfather. And he, he's going to pass his imitation daughter off to get the money. Interesting. That's, that's the situation. And then things get complex from there. You, you, you can imagine the real daughter, of course, shows up. She must. And then what's going to happen? He's, he is stuck, finally, with two girls who look the same. Robert Lansing played the doctor. And Judy Chapman, who was very established, much established soap opera star on TV, played the daughter, played both roles. They're different women, but they look the same, you see. And situations develop from that. So it's it's been on television all over the world. It's in release now by Arrow Films of England, and they've done a masterful job of putting the, the show out. So uh, that's that's the one movie that you might have seen sometime or other. It's it sounds very familiar, and I terrific love reviews in there. Terrific reviews. Yeah, like that double twist in there of like, oh, my daughter's run off or whatever. But yeah. then you've got the, the, the oh, I'm going to make a new daughter so that I can get the money, it seems like. Oh, no, but the daughter's returned. But which one is which? I mean, that's just... He, he falls in love with the, with the daughter he makes, you know. Oh, my gosh. I have to go. I have to see this whole movie now. You can find it on the easiest way to find it is on YouTube. It's oh, on perfect. YouTube. Perfect. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. Uh, there's two films that you're most known for, which is Blood Rage and Scalpel. That's right. Where did you come up with the idea for these two films? Well, Joe Weintraub had the original idea for the story of Scalpel, and we developed it from there. And of course, because he had heard of something similar to, to this. And The Bride, as I said, we were motivated. John Marie and I were motivated by finding this house, and we made a deal to use the house. And so the house motivated the story, really. Now, Blood Rage was a movie produced by a woman named Marianne Cantor. She wanted to produce a commercial slasher film. Therefore, she made a study of all the films that were out there, the Halloweens and all, everything like that. And she conceived of making a very commercial movie that, that checked all the boxes that you know you had to have in this type of film. She wanted nudity in it. Any, any woman who, who read for us was told, first of all, she, she would have to be prepared to do a nude scene. She wanted blood in it. 
she got one of the best technicians there is to to create you know bloody awfulness in the in the film and and so on so that was the job i i didn't write that write it at all it it was pretty well written for for the kind of movie it it was now it gets two kinds of reviews it gets perfectly oh by the way louise lasser is the star of it it gets two kinds of reviews it gets just horrible vomitous reviews that calls it a, a steaming pile of you know what and then it gets other reviews that say it's a masterpiece of cinematic art so you have your choice <laughs> of how to react to it i had fun doing it i had fun making it with Louise, and I'm, I don't want to get into stories like that, you know. <laughs> we, we had some fun doing it, okay? Let's leave it at that. And, of course, it's also distributed by Arrow Films, and it, it has a very well-made distribution. It's out there, too. Blood Rage. That's amazing. Well, I misspoke in the intro, and I want to turn a little bit of focus onto three books you've written. I named The Perfect Game as a film you made, but in fact, it is a book you've written along with How to Write an Irish Play and The Ghost of Antietam. You've got yes. these three great books out there. And I would love to know, you know, what was it like developing these three books, going from movies to books? One book is called Horror Movie, and we're pitching it to agents right now. I wrote it back in the 90s. But I just recently rewrote it, did a, a version of it. So we're pitching that to agents, and I'll probably wind up publishing that with Author House, which, where my other stuff is published. But I, I'll give it a shot with agents first. It's an imitation Stephen King novel. In, in, instead of the, the haunted hotel, what we have is a haunted corporate headquarters out in the woods here in Connecticut. That was inspired by chemical company, oh, duo, I, I can't remember the name of it, but, but had a big headquarters just down the road from me here. So bad things happened because it was a, built in a bad place. And, you know, it, it, it's that one. It, it could make a movie too, of course. That's one of them. The Ghost of Antietam is an imitation Gore Vidal historical novel, and it's, it's very good for what it is, and it gets it gets wonderful reviews. It takes a premise that the Civil War could have been avoided. And in this book, the president of the United States, Hannibal Hamlin, avoids the Civil War by making a deal with Jefferson Davis down in Charleston, South Carolina. But something else happens. And in another world, the Civil War does take place also. In both stories, we follow the exploits of a Union general named George McClellan. Now, McClellan was a real person. He's a real historical figure. Hannibal Hamlin was the vice president for Abraham Lincoln. He winds up as president because something bad happens to Lincoln in the early days of his presidency. That's the premise of the novel. It's a story about George McClellan, who in normal historical fiction and in, in normal Civil War histories is seen as kind of a jerk. 
and in, in, maybe incompetent. I didn't think he was, and I studied him a lot. And I, I have a whole raft of books on the Civil War. I don't know what's going to happen to them. But I have more books than I have space for uh, books in, in my house here. You don't want to, you don't want to see it. <laughs> the, the, the Ghost of Antietam, it, its best use will be as, a, as software for a film either a standalone feature film or a series. It would lend itself very well to a series. And someday it will be made into a, either one, maybe both. It's probably the best thing I've, I've ever written. And I'm very proud of it. Now, moving right along, <laughs> the perfect game, the full title of the perfect game is Jim Naismith and Vince Basketball. The perfect game is a theater Musical play, okay. I wrote it because I got interested in musical theater. Well, <laughs> that goes way back. You've got one question here. What is your what is your favorite as your favorite theater memory? So I will just inject here. What is my favorite theater memory? That's easy. 1945, 46, somewhere in there, my parents took me on a train up to Chicago. And my father had business up there. But for fun, and we went to see a production of Oklahoma by the Road Company. The first time I ever saw a Broadway musical, I was about 11 or 12 years old. It was magical. I loved it. It just flipped me out. And I, you know, can quote, can quote scenes from it. My favorite song was Poor Judd is Dead. I loved it. It influenced me, as you might guess. I had the kind of parents who would take a kid to see Oklahoma. They loved movies, too. They took me to see Citizen Kane, and I knew I didn't understand it because I was probably about, about seven or eight years old when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I knew it was it was a spooky, strange movie. It was different from the other movies. Now, as a kid, you know, my favorite movie of all time was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, I loved that. I just loved that movie. So those are my two big influences, Snow White and Oklahoma. <laughs> I love that. And what a show to see, though. The road, first road company of Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah. In Chicago. Wow. That must have been amazing. Ah, wow. So that then inspired you to write this, The Perfect Game. Yes. I, was, I did a little guest teaching at Xavier University in Cincinnati. That's where I graduated as undergrad, undergraduate and taught some playwriting there and directed some shows there. But a very important element at Xavier University is basketball, and they are in the Big East, as you know. So I was influenced there by a woman who was my mentor in learning about producing musicals. Her name was Kathy Spring. Her name is Kathy Springfield, and she's a wonderful teacher, teacher of acting and directing. So I decided that I would figure out how basketball came to be invented, and I started my research. And a funny thing is it goes 
back into the 90s when I was researching this thing. And my first research was to dig up in the Encyclopedia Britannica and read about the invention of basketball. Now, the Encyclopedia Britannica is a series of books that no, probably nobody looks at now. <laughs> because you go to the internet, you go to the internet, right? But there was no internet in, in those days. You know, there was no Google in those days. Yeah, to consult the 29 volume Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> So a young a young man is teaching at the YMCA school in Springfield, Massachusetts, and his mentor and, and head professor commissions him to come up with a game that they can play indoors. And it I mean, he specifies, you know, the kind of game it should be by in a song, of course, doesn't he? So that's that's really the story. So it's about Jim Naismith and really inventing basketball. But of course, he he cross hatches with a couple of contemporary coaches. He moves, so we're moving back and forth in time, and gets with them. And the, one is a young man, and one is a young woman coach, and they fall in love, of course. So that's what it's about. I love that making making up basketball. I have to check out this musical, though. This is amazing. Okay, so it has a, a production history. It was produced at Xavier, of course. It was produced at Catholic University, which was my graduate school. That's, that's a whole other world I maybe don't have time to get into. <laughs> it was there in 2006, and, and, and it was a perfect production. It was a big hit, and people loved it. It's a people-pleasing show, so therefore, and, and it was also produced in Naples, Florida. Okay, now... We were planning to do a commercial showcase for in New York in 2020. And we were ready to go into production and we were ready to, to start rehearsals. We were all set when Broadway closed down and we had to close down at that time too. I think probably around September of this year, I'm going to, we're going to go for another showcase here in New York. Oh, good. Good, because, yeah, this sounds like the perfect show. It's that the would most, be great here. It's the most commercial thing I've, I've written. I've, I've produced off-Broadway a few times. That's, that's a whole other world, too. But the perfect game, I, I think, has a future. It, it will be done by every high school in the country. It will be done by all the colleges. It'll make a great movie. You know? <laughs> hey, I'm a little enthused about it. Well, I do want to give our listeners a quick moment to to pick your brain a little bit, and I do oh, want sure. to ask. I mean, we've we've ba we've bounced between you know thrillers to musicals to fantasy historical sure. stories. What exactly inspires you to uh, to write that? You know, what are your inspirations? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Oklahoma, a lot of Warner Brothers movies about real people like like Thomas Edison and and George Custer movies about real people 
those are inspirations. So let's see what else. That's that's pretty much it. You know, life life in general. I always liked history. His history is narration. History is it's a storybook. History is a story, and story is what makes a, a movie or a play go. And I could start discussing now the great teachers of story, starting with Aristotle. But that it, I try to answer your question that way. I love that. And I I love that you mentioned like the films of Warner Brothers. I mean, it there are so many great, great films. And I, I dare not say classic because I'm not just referring to the films of like the 30s, 40s and 50s, but even just up to the 60s, 70s and 80s. There's so many great films out there. Yes, yes. I, I was watching Casablanca last night. Yes. Turner. Yes. And I love those movies of, of that period. Yeah. You know how it is. Well, let me ask you, what is your favorite part about working in the industry, either film or theater, as, as a writer or director? Favorite? I, I do, that's really hard. That's a very hard question because I love it all. I love it all. I, lo I love working with actors. I admire actors very much. And I feel my job as a director is to create a situation where they can do their thing. I'm not there to tell them what to do. There was an example of that in, in Scalpel. When we, we shot Scalpel in uh, George, Atlanta, Georgia, outside Atlanta. And Bob Lansing and Judith Chapman had a scene where Judy has, has just returned, you know, from being away mysteriously. And they're, they're having a turkey dinner, actually, at this old mansion where they live. And they kind of duel with each other. Uh, what's going on? And oh, what about this other girl, Jane? And, and he says, well, I had to, she, I didn't know what she was supposed to look like. So I made her look like, <laughs> look like you, <laughs> you know. And oh, and that's funny, and, and so on. So it's probably the best scene in the movie, best just actor scene in the movie. And I was watching the scene, and I said, geez, it sounds almost as if they are in cahoots with each other, that they're planning something, that they're, they're, they're being very sly with each other. And I said, this is a wonderful value. We're getting a great scene here. So we took a break to load the camera again. I went out in the yard and walked around the yard. And I said, well, I think I'll, I'll say something to Bob and Judy about how well the scene is going. And then I said to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know how they're going to react. If I say we're getting certain a value, a story value that is not intended in the script, that's going to screw them up. They're going to go, they're going to go a little nuts. I came back in and I said, I said to them, we're really doing very well. Let's just keep it rolling. That's all I said. Let's keep it rolling. I did not give them that note. I gave Louise Lasser a note one time and she ordered me off a set. I won't go into that. <laughs> you got to save that for your memoir, right? <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I should. Oh, I've, I've, I have written a memoir, actually. Oh, Everybody wrote memoirs during the pandemic, you know, and so I, I was no exception. So I, I wrote, and and my 
my dear friend Sally Barrow said to me, you should write something for your grandchildren because they don't know anything about you. So I did. I wrote about my my dear wife, Patricia, who we lost her in 2008, hmm. but she was a wonderful person. So I wrote about myself. Amazing. I don't know if I'll, I, I probably will not publish it, but it's it's for the family. That's wonderful, though, still, to be able to leave that behind for your family. Yeah. They have that link to the past. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask, are there any other projects or productions you have coming on the pipeline you might be able to plug? You had mentioned the commercial production of The Perfect Game, and you also mentioned that the the book you were ha- uh, working to have published. Wait, not, now there, well, there are two novels. One one is the uh, the horror novel, and the other is the Ghosts of Antietam. So those are the only the two books. So uh, there there is a musical I've been tinkering around with for m- maybe about ten or fifteen years, and I'm I'm stuck on it. <laughs> I'm stuck because it takes place in heaven. Oh, and our our leading character has a what we call a near-death experience. I don't know if you're a fan of YouTube, if you watch the psychics on YouTube. But anyway, it takes place in heaven, and I don't know what to do about God. I'm, I'm stuck on, on God. He's a character that is kind of dangerous to handle, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I mean, that, that sounds like a, an interesting problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I, I wouldn't know what to do with him either. Uh, <laughs> well, finally, if our listeners would love more information about you or about any of your works, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. We are coming in for a landing here. Yep. <laughs> here is a website you should know. Perfectgamemusical.com. So it's perfect game musical all all together jammed up together dot com. And you will hear the music, you will see pictures from the, the production and stories about me and and contact information is included there. So that that's the easy way. Of course, you can go to Amazon and you can see reviews of the Ghosts of Antietam. You could how to write an Irish play, but we didn't get into that at all. It's it's a funny play it's meant for broadway and somebody's going to do it one of these days i look forward to when that day comes i will be one of the first people to get a ticket good (laughs) it's been a pleasure to meet you sir yes john thank you so much for your time today yeah and my my best wishes to your wife and continued success uh stage whisper thank you so much My guest today has been the actor, director, writer, producer, just the incredible artist, John Grismer, who has been a part of such incredible works as The Bride, Scalpel, Blood Rage, How to Write an Irish Play, The Ghost of Antietam, and The Perfect Game, Jim Naismith Invents Basketball. All of this incredible library of work you can find on amazon.com or on youtube you can also visit perfectgamemusical.com and check out some of the music from this great show as well as find contact information on john grismer but if you 
haven't already gotten enough of John Grismer now, you need to look into him. He's an incredible artist who's already done so much for this industry and is going to continue to contribute with these great works. So check it out now, perfectgamemusical.com and follow John Grismer for all his upcoming works. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Hey,